we go. All right. Hey, I'm Joe. I am one of the staff pastors here at Community Life Church. Welcome in this morning as we get ready to take a look at God's Word and how it applies to our life. And to kind of get us going where we're going to be going this morning, I want to ask you a quick question. With everything that's happened in the world over the past six months, have there been times when you just kind of had like a moment? Like a, I don't think I'm going to make it moment. Earlier this spring, earlier this spring, I came home from work. I was one of the lucky ones. I still get to go to an office every day and get out of the house. But as I pulled up into the driveway and the, and the garage door went up, I could almost see the stress and the tension coming out from the house. My kids have been stuck in the house for weeks on end. My wife works at home full time, and she's trying to be a homeschooler on top of that now. And it was just like, I've got to get these children out of the house to give my precious wife a break. But, but it was like, what am I supposed to do with my kids? Nothing is open right now. But then I remembered, someone told me about Alameda Park here in Butler. I don't know if you knew this or not. I found this out this spring. Right here in Butler, we have Alameda Park, and there are over 10 miles of mountain biking and hiking trails crammed into like less than a quarter mile of terrain. So I went into the house, I quickly printed off a map like this. It kind of looks like all you can eat pasta tonight at Olive Garden on a map. And we headed off to Alameda Park to go hiking. Now when we began our hike at Alameda, we had a mission. Our mission was to spend as much time as possible getting absolutely nowhere. Just to keep the kids out of the house, we came up with a game. As we were going along the paths of the park, every time we came to a split in the path, my children would randomly decide where to go. Their goal was to get us hopelessly lost. And my goal was to keep us from getting hopelessly lost. And we had a lot of fun. We saw animals, we packed snacks, and we took breaks. You know, we talked about how far do you think that we've gone? And I'm sure a couple times I pretended we were never going to get home again. We didn't know where in the world we were. And every time we came to a choice in the path, left or right, uphill or downhill, my kids randomly decided, and it didn't matter what path they choose, because we weren't trying to get anywhere specific. But then, as you probably can guess, it started to get dark, and it started to get cold. And we knew that we needed to make it back to the car, or we were going to spend the night in the woods. And suddenly, it no longer didn't matter what path we chose. Suddenly, looking at this map of all the choices of a path, there was a right path to choose. A path that we could choose that would lead back to our vehicle, and there was a wrong path that we could choose. A path that would lead to a night in the woods. And even though we couldn't see the car, we could see the path in front of us, and we knew if we chose the right path consistently, we would eventually get to where we wanted to be, and we would see what we wanted to see. And this morning, we're going to talk about this idea that the life you lead, kind of like the path that I need us, will depend on the path you follow. The life you lead depends on the path that you follow. We know this to be true in a number of areas of our lives. You might be a student, and you might have a career in mind, but whether you reach that career or not will come down to the education choices, and the studying choices, and the work experience choices, and all the other career choices that you make. For after all, it's called a career path. We know this is true physically as well. Do you ever enjoy seeing people who post pictures of like the before and after results? Like this is before or after I lost 25 or 50 or 100 pounds. And as impressive as those pictures can be, what's even more impressive to me is what they represent. 
Those transformation pictures represent countless physical health path choices. Burger or salad, milkshake or almond milk, hit the gym or hit the snooze. This is true financially as well, isn't it? Recently I had someone tell me that they had reached their goal of becoming a millionaire by age 50. And began asking, well, well, how'd you do it? What they didn't say was that their boss called them into his office on his 49th year and 11-month birthday and said, hey, you have this goal. We just want to help you get there. Here's a 10,000% raise. Congratulations. Instead, it was the result of many financial path choices. Save over borrow. Contribute over consume. Use over new. So you realize this in our lives, in many different areas, the life we lead, it depends on the path that we follow. Our desire to reach the right end of the path is not enough. What really matters is the choices that we make along the spouse path, or the parenting path, or the leader path, or the disciple of Jesus path. We know this from human experience. But long before any of us were living the human experience, God, in his word, the Bible, was teaching his people that this idea also applies to our spiritual lives. So in the next few weeks, we are going to be in a specific book of the Bible, the book of Psalms. If you have your Bibles, you can begin making your way there. If you want to pull out your mobile device or whatever else you're using, if there's a Bible nearby, you can see that. You can grab that and move your way to the book of Psalms. It's the easiest book in the Bible to find. Usually, if you just open to the middle, you're going to find it. And this week, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 1. Next week, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 2. But before we dive into the book of Psalms, I want to have a quick discussion about what Psalms is as a whole, because this will help us to understand it better. When I'm trying to understand the book of Psalms, there are two words that come to mind. The first word is playlist. Playlist. On my Spotify app on my phone, I have a playlist of songs that have been meaningful to me over the course of my life. Songs, songs from high school, songs from college, from when I was dating my wife, and so on and so forth. Psalms is a playlist of songs and poems that were significant for the people of Israel over the course of their journey with God. All the way from the time of Moses until after they were exiled in Babylon. And these psalms, or psalms, don't describe the destination of their journey with God. They describe their experience along the way of the journey. And they can, they can describe for us as well our own experience and our spiritual journey. In fact, I would say this about psalms. Psalms is the playlist we're traveling the paths of life. When you open up the book of Psalms, you're going to see different psalms and poems about the different experiences that we can have spiritually. Joy, sadness and disappointment, uncertain outcomes, unanswered questions, wonder and frustration. All of the emotions of life, the emotions of life, are captured in the book of Psalms. The second word I would think of is prayer book. Prayer book. What actually began to happen is that the people of Israel would memorize the psalms that are making up the book of Psalms. They would memorize them and then use them to pray to God. 
They would use them to express themselves to God because the emotions that they felt inside were so perfectly expressed that they would take them to God and lay them before his feet in prayer. And we can do the same thing. In fact, Athanasius, one of the early church fathers thousands of years ago, said this. He said, most of Scripture speaks to us for God, but Psalms speaks to God for us. Psalms is a playlist, and it is a prayer book. Now, this morning we're going to be in Psalms chapter 1. Psalm 1. And it's not just at the beginning of the book randomly. It's there because it serves as an introduction to all of Psalms. Now, because Psalms are songs, they're organized artistically and musically rather than kind of sequentially and logically. So this morning we're going to go to Psalm 1-6. It's actually the last verse in the chapter because it's a summary of the psalm itself as well as the entire book of Psalms. And Psalm chapter 1, verse 6 says this. It says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now the word way here is not like what the way method, like the way to make a cake. It's the way as in a traveled road. So that's why the New Living Translation puts it, For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Now Psalms might describe the experience of a journey, but has a very specific way of looking at the journey of life. It says, in life there are two paths. There's one path that the Lord watches over that leads to a blessed life, which we're going to see a little bit more about that when we get to Psalm 1.1. And then there's a second path, a path of the wicked that leads to destruction. He says, this second path is a path that leads to regret in your life. It leads to shame. It leads to disappointment. It leads to coming to the end of your life and looking back and saying, I wish I had lived my life differently. Now, you know this. You've heard this before. In fact, maybe if we put on a picturesque background like this, life is a journey, not a destination. And Psalms 1-6 is saying this, life may be a journey, but it is a journey to a specific destination. But we can't always see the destination. Often in life, we can only see the path in front of us. Which is why if we're going to reach the right destination, we need to know how to choose the right path. Which leads us to Psalm 1.1. The psalmist says, blessed is the one. He's saying, there's a path that leads to a blessed life. The most accurate translation of the word blessed here is actually happy. He says, happy is the one. Or as another translation puts it, oh, the joys of the one. He's saying, there is a life that is at the end of a path that is meaningful, that's content, that you can sleep at the end of the night when you lay your head down on the pillow because you have a clear conscience. And when you come to the end of that life, you look back and you have no regret. Blessed is the one. And if you want to know how to reach the blessed life, you don't need to know which path to take. And the psalmist begins with which path not to take. He says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way the sinners take, or sit, or sit in the company of mockers, or sit in the company of mockers. You'll see a progression here. Walk, stand, sit. He said, in your life, along the path that leads to destruction, there's a progression. He begins with walk and step with the wicked. 
This is actually a path of the mind, which is why the NASB translates it, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He says the first step on the wrong path comes through what you think. So who are you listening to in your life? Who are you, what are you taking into your life as truth? Are you walking in the counsel of the wicked? Now this doesn't mean that in your life that you can only listen to Christian music, you can only listen to K-Love, that you can only read Christian books, you only have Christian friends. And it doesn't apply equally to every area of your life. It's not saying that you can you, you have to have a mechanic who can fill out a doctrinal questionnaire before you can let him change your muffler. What he's asking you, though, is what are you believing? What are you believing in your life? What are you holding as true? And he's saying that you have got to be able to develop a filter in your life so that all the influences of the world can come in, but you can filter out what's true. Because what you are believing will influence what you do, which is the next step in the path. It says, blessed is the one who does not stand in the way of sinners. Now, when it translates, when the English translates it, stand in the way, it makes it a little bit tough to understand. Because in English, stand in the way of means to try to stop someone from doing something. But he's certainly not saying, blessed is the one who does not try to stop people from sinning. So think of it like this. I think a better way to understand it is stand in the shadow of. Stand in the shadow of. Blessed is the one who's not standing in the shadow of. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were having a conversation that my seven-year-old overheard, and for some reason we were talking about job shadowing. And my son asked me, how can a job have a shadow? It's a good question. So we explained to him that when you job shadow someone, you follow them around to learn to do what they do. Now, on the stage here, I have a shadow behind me from the lights. If I said, I would give you $20 if you could come up here and stand in my shadow no matter what. Then if I took a step to the left, what would you have to do? You'd have to step to the left, stand in my shadow. To step this way, if I step this way, you'd have to step this way to stand in my shadow. If I jumped up and down and did jumping jacks, you'd have to do jumping jacks. Because in order to stand in my shadow, you'd have to do what I do and behave how I behave. And that's really the question he's asking is, how are you behaving? In your life, if you want to know what path you're on, look at how you're behaving. When you look at the actions in your life, the thoughts, your conversations, your decisions, does your behavior represent one who's on the path of the godly or on the path of the wicked? When you're on the golf course, when you're on a business trip, when you're all alone, when you're posting on social media, how are you behaving? Is your behavior setting you on a path that leads to the path of the godly or destruction? You can only believe a certain way, and you can only behave a certain way for so long before you reach the third step in progression, which is sitting in the company now, I call this the duck-duck-goose principle. This is how I think of this. Let me explain what I mean. Last summer, take my six-year-old to Seneca Hills Bible Camp camp with me. It's whenever parents go to camp with their children. And the first night we get there, and the counselors have this great time of games organized, and we're running around. All the parents are playing freeze tag and sharks and minnows, and we're running and moving all around. 
And then I think for their own sick personal enjoyment, those sadists got a bunch of adults to play dot, dot, goose with their children. So they get us all sitting down on the ground in a tight circle. And I know I might look like I'm 23, but I'm not anymore. And do you know how hard it is to stand up and chase a six-year-old after you've been sitting Indian style for 10 minutes? I mean, he's back around the circle before I can even get up. And that's the point the psalmist is making. He's saying you can only sit for so long before it becomes almost impossible to change. Because walking is one thing, and standing is another thing. But when you sit, that is where you belong, and that's where you stay. That's the question. With whom are you belonging? With whom are you belonging? What circles are you sitting in? Who are the people in your life that you're giving influence to? Who are the people in your life that you do not want to disappoint, that you're trying to win their approval? Who is your friend group? Because if you want to know what path you're on, look at the path of the people that are around you and what that path is leading to. Because that's the path you're on, and that's where your life is leading as well. And if the life you lead depends upon the path you follow, the path you follow depends upon what you believe, what you behave, and with whom you belong, then you need to know what to believe, how to behave, and with whom to belong in our lives. Which is why in Psalm 1-2, the psalmist then turns to the right path and says, but blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, I read this verse, and I thought to myself, I don't need any more laws in my life. I have plenty of things I have to do and plenty of things I can't do. I don't know about you, but do you bristle at all when you see this and say, how can I possibly delight in more rules? Well, let's talk a little bit about what the word law means. The word law to the Israelites was the word Torah. The word Torah. And, and certainly Torah, in a sense, did represent rules and restrictions because that's what they called their first four five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, which contained a lot of rules and restrictions. But there's a broader sense that the word Torah points to, and that's teaching. Torah can also mean a teaching of how to do things. And that's the sense that is used here in Psalm chapter 1, verse 2. So when we read it this way, but whose delight is in the teaching of the Lord, we see that laws are not just about do's and don'ts. Laws are not just about restricting and suppressing you, but laws can also be about freeing and enabling you. Because laws aren't just rules. Laws also describe or teach how things work. And God's teaching is the teaching of how he has designed life to work. Now think about, think about laws in our modern times. We use the word law to describe scientific laws. If you're listening or to or watching this sermon right now, then you're taking advantage of what is made possible by the law of electricity. If you drove in a car today to get here, you took advantage of what the laws of motion have made possible. If you're enjoying the air-conditioned space inside of here, you're taking advantage of what the laws of thermodynamics 
have made possible. And that's the point the psalmist is making. He's saying that God has coded into not just our universe physically laws that make things possible. He has coded into our lives laws or teachings that show us what is possible in our lives. Because laws enable far more than they inhibit. He's saying that God gives us teaching about how the world works that points us to the path that makes the blessed life possible. He's saying God has taught you how you can have a happy or content or a meaningful life. And that teaching is contained, or that Torah is contained in his word. He's saying if the life you lead depends on the path you follow, then God's word or his teaching is the map for that path. And so if you want to know what path to follow, you have to turn to the map. And you don't just look at it once. Instead, he says, meditate on his law day and night. Blessed is the one who meditates on his law day and night. Sometimes when we hear the word meditate, we think of someone sitting in a circle, sitting on the ground with their fingers in a circle and, and kind of chanting. But, but think of it differently than that. Have you ever read the book or seen the movie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? In that, in that story, Charlie's a little boy who wins a contest with a few other children to tour Willy Wonka's magical and mysterious chocolate factory where he makes all kinds of amazing candies. And during the tour, they come across one of his new inventions, magical flavor-changing chewing gum. And, and the way the gum works is that when you chew it, it begins to change flavor through the flavors of, of a three-course meal. As you chew and chew and chew, it changes from tomato soup to roast beef to blueberry pie. But the flavors of the entire meal are only released through prolonged chewing. If you stop chewing, you don't get all of the flavors. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. He's saying meditation is prolonged mental chewing. He's saying it's not just reading something in passing and then putting it down. He's saying it's taking what you read in God's teaching and his map to the right path and thinking about it, studying it, questioning your assumptions, reflecting on your own path in light of it, asking questions, turning to other places in his teaching to see what it says in light of it, and chewing on it, and chewing on it, and chewing on it mentally that so over time, all of the subtle flavors of God's word are released into your mind and into your life and into the steps that you take along that path. And when you meditate on God's word day and night, become like a person that is like a tree planted by streams of waters, which yields its fruit in season, usually does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. In the ancient world, water sources for trees were so important. And when it came to water sources, there were two types of trees. There were stream-fed trees, and there were rain-fed trees. And in a hot, dry climate, a rain-fed tree is in constant danger of drying up and withering because rain was inconsistent. Rain was sporadic. Rain might not come. 
but a stream-fed tree had roots that were dug into a riverbank. They were fed by the moisture of the stream. It was constantly refreshed, constantly replenished, constantly <coughs> receiving the source of the life that it needed because it was connected to a life-giving stream. Think of this way, a little bit more modern example. When my family travels now, we are completely dependent on phone GPS to get us where we're going. Gone are the days of going to the AAA office and getting <coughs> maps and highlighting them in yellow and figuring your path along the way. We just hop in the car, we punch in the destination, and we begin to listen to the directions on the phone GPS. But the problem that we had until recently was that we had the absolute bargain basement data plan with Verizon. We wanted as little data as possible. So when we would get in the car, we would punch in the destination, and then to save data, we would just look at what the next step is, turn the GPS off, and go along the way. And then whenever we thought that there might be a time when we needed to make a turn, or whenever we thought we needed to choose a path, we would turn the phone back on, and we would hope that we hadn't made a mistake. We would hope that we had done the right thing, and only then would we compare where we were at with where the map said to be. And, and that's kind of how people live their lives sometimes. They only check in their location on the path occasionally and sporadically with what God is teaching. Maybe a pivotal moment in their life when you're getting married, when you have a child. Okay, we've got to get back into this. Or when you face some big problem, some health event, maybe a job loss, a pandemic. Then you might get back into this. But in the meantime, you shut the GPS off and you just go along your path, hoping that you haven't deviated off course. This year, though, we ran into a problem on our way to vacation. We ran out of data. So finally, while we were there, I broke down and upped our data plan. I am so glad we did. On the way home, it was amazing. We didn't have to shut the navigation off one time. The entire way home, we had this little blue dot on the screen that represented us, and then we had the path that we were supposed to be on. We were constantly connected to the direction that we needed. If we deviated, of course, even a little bit, we had a constant map in our car showing us where we needed to be. We were kind of like a tree planted by a stream of water. We had a constant source of life. We had a constant map showing us where to go. Now, what about you? What if we put a little blue dot of your life up on a screen this morning? And what if we took out the map of God's word and we laid it behind your blue dot? What path would you be on? You see, if the life we lead depends upon the path we follow, and if what's contained in this book is the map to the path, then this psalm is telling us that we have to constantly be checking our path against the map. So, so what about you? Are you on the path, or have you deviated? When you take a look at your life, and and the information you're allowed to come into your mind and, and what you're believing and what you're wanting is true, what path does it say that you're on? Well, what about when you look around at some of the behaviors you allow to creep in your life? You might think it's just a step. It's just one choice. It's just one mistake. But what path have you put yourself on? Where's it leading? 
around at the people in your life, those who you're allowing to influence you, what path are they guiding you on? Now, you might be sitting here this morning and you might be thinking, you know what, I don't know much about God's teaching in his book, or I know very little. How, how am I supposed to know if my path is even consistent with what it's teaching? Or, or maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, I know enough to know that I've made some choices on my path that have taken me far off of God's map in my life. Maybe you're thinking, you know, there's certain areas in my life I'm on the right path, and there's certain areas where, where I know I'm not, or you might be thinking, I've gotten so far off the path, I don't know how I'll ever get back. Well, what if I told you that God's Word and the instruction there wasn't the only thing that God gave us to help us know what path to be on? What if I told you that God knew that even if we wanted to follow the right path, we would make choices that would lead us off of that path? And so He sent someone to not only show us the path, but to be the path for us. Well, I don't have to tell you that, because Jesus tells us that himself. One night, toward the end of his life, he had all of his disciples together in a room, and they were talking. And Jesus began to tell, him, tell them about the journey that he was going on. And he said this to them, you know the way to the place where I'm going. He's speaking kind of abstractly, or at least the disciples thought that. And he says, you know the way, which isn't the way and the how-to. He's saying, this is the way. This is the road that I'm going to travel. You know the way. You know which path to take. And one of his disciples, Thomas, speaks up and asks what everyone else was thinking. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Thomas was looking for instructions. He Maybe he was looking for Jesus to say, you know what? You go down to the old quick fill. You make a left. And then you know where, you know where the Kmart used to be. Okay, if you go up there... He was looking for instruction. He, maybe he was waiting for Jesus to pull out Psalm 1 and give a good lesson. But Jesus says it differently. He says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the path. I am the path. And if you want to have a life that leads to relationship with God, if you want to have a life that leads to meaning and purpose, have to go through me, because I'm the path. This is why Jesus can say, you know the way, or you know the path, because he's saying, if you know me, then you know the path. And if you follow me, then you're following the path, because he's the path. So the question of what path are you on, or what path are you following, kind of becomes the question of, are you following Jesus? Because Jesus says, don't believe, don't believe the counsel of the wicked, believe in me. And don't behave like sinners. Act like me. And don't belong in the company of mockers. You belong to me. Your life is about me. I'm your path. And that's why you delight. And that's why you delight this book. Because this book points to me. And you find me through it. And meditate on me. Make me the constant person that you check your life against every single day because when you're connected to me, you have the steady source of life flowing through you. The life you lead depends upon the path you follow. So the question that you always ask yourself this morning is not just what path are you following, 
But who are we following? Are you following Jesus? What in your life is off the path of Jesus? What in your life is not following him? Is there something that God's saying to you today? Look, if you're going to follow that path, it's going to lead you far from Christ. Is there something God is saying to you today that he wants you to change? Is there a path that you need to leave and begin to look at Jesus to follow him? Let's pray. God, we come before you, and this is the point in the message where the Holy Spirit just has to speak to our hearts. You know the various paths that each person in this room is on. You know the choices that have made, the thoughts, the behaviors, the conversations that people are having. You know what's going on in their lives. God, I pray that even now you will allow us to look at our own path and compare it to Jesus and ask, are we following you? God, continue to speak to our hearts. May as we leave these doors today, we choose to follow the path Jesus. Jesus, pray. Hey, two quick things I just want to mention to you. The first is, you know, these next couple weeks, we're just going to be scratching the surface to the beginning of the book of Psalms. But if you want to dive a little bit more deeply into Psalms, we've got a few resources that we've made available. On the way out at the offering tables, there's a 30-day in Psalm, 30 days in Psalms reading guide. Feel free to grab one of those. We're going to put a link in our Facebook and YouTube video as well online. If you want to learn more about Psalms as a whole, I encourage you to Google Bible Project Psalms. That'll give you a couple really good basic videos that will teach you a little bit more about it. If you just want to do some devotional reading in the book of Psalms, one of the books I'm reading right now is called The Psalms of Jesus by Timothy Keller. Each day it takes a piece of the Psalms and, and just applies the devotion to your lives. Pick that up somewhere on Amazon, wherever you can buy books, you can find it. There's just a couple ways that you can dig deeper. Now I just want to invite you to go ahead and fellowship out in the lobby. We've got some cleaning staff there to come in and sanitize the sanctuary before the next service comes in. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. If you want to read ahead, Psalms 2 is next week.